Hey guys, Free Focus Podcast, episode 23. So, grand final review and the first one outside of Melbourne in our lifetimes. Hey guys, uh, we made it. Yeah, good work, everyone. <laughs> Been a long, a long 10 months, maybe eight months. Yeah, yeah eight months, but three month break in between. So, what did you do leading up to the, to the grand final? Because normally we catch up or watch it somewhere. Yeah, normally we go to a friend's house or we do something. I can hear my echoes. So the lead up, yeah, it was a bit weird waking up and knowing you had to wait another 12 hours. Yeah, to start. Uh, yeah, what happened? What did I do? Uh, I think I went for a run and um, yeah, just had <laughs> had a lunch. We couldn't do much anyway. So it was a bit yeah, exactly. different because everyone's locked in. So uh, I mean, the anticipation. Yeah, it got a bit annoying, I suppose. Like when two thirty came, uh, it didn't remind me of previous grand finals where you'd be at a friend's house or you'd people over and you'd have your barbecue going. And um, yeah, you you missed that. How did you feel? What did you do? Yeah, just just killed killed a bit of time. So like things like grocery shopping and uh, yeah, going out. So it's not. Not too much. I think I feel for the players too. Like you have more time to kill before the game, um, and yeah, even, even the night time, the finish. Like it, I think the they ran the lap, the Tigers of the Oval. I think just after 11 p.m. Melbourne time, so it does finish a bit late, and I think the celebrations were kind of cut short by that as well. Yeah, onto the night grand final. Yeah, I think the pros and cons are interesting, and I think yeah, there's more pros for the day grand final yeah uh, as a uh, i'm more of a traditionalist like i prefer the day grand final yeah me too yeah yeah i think most footy fans do like from what i can gather from social media and some commentary it feels like the night grand final has been pushed by uh, those who aren't as much into footy is that fair yeah, I think because even like the NRL grand final normally starts at five. That was last night um, as well. Maybe that's the the compromise. Like start at five, finish at eight. You still got forty. No, I don't know. I don't think there should be a compromise. Just um, if you're doing this, is the only argument for the night grand final more viewers? Like the yeah, the viewers. Are, is that it? Is that the only argument? And the lights look better for the um for the. Uh, concert. Oh, yeah, if that's that's a very poor argument. If that's one of the main reasons for the night grand final. Yeah, as the ratings, I think that's the highest it's ever been. I think it was over three million or three point eight. But yeah, the, the ratings are definitely. I think that's the reason why. Yeah, they wanted to hold it there. But yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think we'll go back to that next year. I think you'll have the daytime at the MCG. Yeah. What two thirty? Yeah, surely the AFL can't overrule like the voice of the people. Like the traditional supporters, the AFL supporters. I don't care what people in Sydney yeah. or Brisbane think. I think, yeah, it'll be pretty poor form if the AFL make the night grand final a, a staple. That's yeah, not right. And also for like family, it's like a family day, right? Like if you have a night grand final, then the kids go to sleep at like eight or nine, depending on how old they are. Yeah, yeah like what you touched on. Before you lose that celebration into the night. Yeah, no, exactly right. We'll maybe touch on Dusty a bit later because we've got, um, yeah, he's 
pretty yeah. prominent through the review of each quarter. But um, then what do you think? Probably the Tigers' best premiership yet. Definitely the most obstacles to overcome. Yeah, I think it is their best premiership yet. Like I think um, 2017, they sort of got on that roll towards the last half of the season and especially yeah. finals. And by then, yeah, we could be saying, well, and Dusty had a crazy year that day. Yeah, that, that's probably the best individual season yeah, ever. Yeah, it won the Brownlow. And then in last year's um, premiership, I think, yeah, they smashed GWS. Um, that was a good, yeah, great day for them, but they weren't up against much. But this time around, they had to play Geelong, who were much tougher opponent, and the road to get there was tougher. Yeah. yeah when you start, yeah, obviously you lose, lose the first final and then you have to play more away in South Australia coming off a break. Um, yeah, definitely. I think we said it probably probably during that three-month hiatus, I remember before we went back, that it'd be an asterisk for the Premiership in a positive way. Um, yeah. Not the opposite because, yeah, definitely the most challenges any team's had to overcome. Yeah, and they had their injuries and off-field controversies as well. So they've, they've overcome that. Uh, they've um, yeah, transformed into a, the benchmark, which is good on them. And Lee Matthews voting, <laughs> giving yeah. one, two words instead of short. Do you find that? Yeah, so I saw that Broad was Broad was very good, I thought, but he yeah, it wasn't in the top probably 10, 10 players. And I think he said since it he should have been short and yeah, short was I think seven hundred and seventy two meters gained at seventy two percent efficiency, twenty seven touches, so or twenty five touches. So yeah, he's yeah, just an oversight. Yeah, I think he's showing his age, <laughs> Matthew says, so maybe it's time to hand over um yeah, hand back that chairman role because he was like the chair as well of the voting panel. Yeah, so we'll um, move on to the – we'll do a quarter-by-quarter quarter review and you've got quarter one, which, yeah, a lot of action in that first first quarter. Yeah, quarter one, as they say, <laughs> for the grand final. Quarter one. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we'll kick it off. So going into the game, it was – Pretty evenly matched. I think the tips were pretty split. I think Tigers were just in front in the betting. They were like a dollar eighty, and I think Richmond were. I mean, uh, Cats were two dollars. Yeah. But it, yeah, started off um, finally at seven thirty. Uh, yeah, the Cats they uh, had a couple of early opportunities to kick a goal, but they couldn't capitalize. And as so often happens, the ball got to the other end, and Dion Prestia got on got on the end of a hand pass and he snapped it through for a goal. So that was the opener. So it was, um, yeah, not a known goal kicker. So I don't know what his odds would have been to kick it, but uh, yeah, Prestia got the first. And then the Tigers also got the second as well, didn't they? they um, yeah, it, it was Constantin. Yeah, so yeah, I think it was Hawkins and Danger missed two set shots and then yeah, Prestia um, yeah, McIntosh. McIntosh kicked that second one. McIntosh, yeah. So they were able to yeah, get, a, get a clearance. And I think Dusty was involved with a good, good short, accurate pass. The pressure was hot early. It was on. Like, both teams are going at it pretty tough. Um, a lot of few tackles. Uh, thought, um, yeah, the Cats sort of started to get on top maybe after those two goals. Yeah. And Stewart was pretty good. Down back, he was mopping up and um, defensively and offense offensively, he was prominent. 
Yeah, for Geelong, yeah. The match got delayed by seven and a half minutes as well. So there was an incident where Danger went to clear the ball, went to punch the ball, yeah. and his forearm collected Boston. And then in the same play, uh, Ablett got pinned in a tackle. It was like a half tackle by Cochin, but he unfortunately fell on his left shoulder and he hurt his shoulder in that. Yeah, and so went what- off the ground. Yeah, so what do you think? If the danger's got cleared since, I probably thought, um, like, it was two actions. Like, he's tapped the ball on and then put the fire up to protect himself. And then, yeah, clearly no malice or intent. But um, I thought he was fine to get off. I didn't think there was any um, yeah, malice anyway. Yeah, so it was an interesting one. So my initial reaction, and during that time and when he went off and got concussed, is that for this to happen in the grand final this early and it wasn't and it was a forearm to the head so it looked looked bad and i thought and he got concussed so it has to be like dangerfield went he did the action and he caused concussion so normally when they look at this stuff they suspend players right if you yeah, yeah. the head is sacrosanct but having a look at it again it, it was sort of yeah a split second thing and Vlostin was running at the ball as well. So it was an accidental collision type. But uh, I don't know. I guess could have been okay either way, like a suspension or him getting off. Just uh, Yeah, it's, a, it's obviously a huge, huge consequence because Boston's one of their better players. they got to change their structures. they got to um, yeah, put Bolt into the ruck. They're a bit too top-heavy down back. Like It does cause a few magnets to shift and it is yeah it's a huge consequence to be yeah, one down what few minutes into the game yeah i guess if, if there was more intent then it could have been a suspension but i guess in this case he doesn't have that but then the argument of oh is he getting off because he's danger field like if this was ben long or someone else would yeah. they have um adjudicated differently so um yeah, we'll never know, I suppose. And then Ablett, yeah, that was pretty sad. I think um, no one wanted to see Ablett sit out majority of the game in his last game. So it was good he was able to come back on, but you could clearly see he was hampered by that shoulder. Yeah, because he's probably the best player of the, uh, maybe not this decade, but probably from 07 to... 2014, I think, was only his brand year before he got injured for the Suns. Like, that was probably the yeah, best eight-year run yeah. of our era. I mean, he's in the conversation for the greatest of all time. So yeah. It was good he was able to come back on. And he yeah, had, had a bit of an impact. He was um, When he got the ball, it was okay. But uh, I think uh, there was... Simpson also got knocked out, didn't he? So that was accidental. Yeah, later on, yeah. That was from, yeah, his own teammate. But again, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Richmond, I'll oh, get back to the game. So the Cats then were able to, yeah, sort of get on top towards the last half, the last five minutes of that quarter. And they kicked a couple and they led, I think, at quarter time. So there were a little bit of warning signs for the Tigers because... I think, yeah, the Cats had control and then 
couldn't sort of capitalize the opportunities. And but yeah, there was a tight game, and I think yeah, Tigers had to respond and yeah, show something. Yeah, so yeah, moving on to the the second quarter. So yeah, I think yeah, Tiger. I think at that stage, Cats had kicked three straight. I think they had two. <laughs> two, okay. So yeah, they, I think yeah, they kicked the first couple of the second. So at that stage, they kicked five straight. Now a few few passages. So Gary Rowan is yeah much maligned. He had two really good plays. Like he caught Prestia holding the ball and then kicked to a Danger and Cochin matchup, which yeah, Danger capitalised on, kicked to a good set shot. He was actually 13 goals, 13 from uh, set shots before then. So he's a bit inaccurate for such a such a superstar. We'd mentioned Stewart, who was yeah, best on probably at halftime. So there's a couple of yeah, big misses for the Cats. Brian Myers, mm-hmm. who yeah, had a mark 25 metres out, set shot and just rushed it. Didn't you go played back on. Off. Yeah, yeah play it on. Play but, yeah, not sure why. He just looked a bit, I don't know, frazzled. Yeah. Just kicked one later on, I think, in the third. But yeah, it was a big miss at that stage. And I think the Cats probably probably two or three goals short of what they were and what how they were dominating. Um, yeah. So, yeah, up 22 points um, when Hawkins kicked a goal. So, Ablett did contribute like he did, said classy knock-on to Selwood. Did you think that yeah. was a throw? Initially, or no, that was a no, 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 that was a it, lo- it looked like a bit of a dodgy pass, but yeah, slow yeah, the replay, yeah, so the replay was like perfect. Like, he did that without Selwood calling for it. Like, yeah. you could see Selwood's face, he was, yeah, surprised Ablett was able to think so. You, yeah, Ablett's like the class is still there, I guess. Is I think he said he's just his body is not, did he say no, he said his body's okay, but he's like mentally. He's ready to like step away. Yeah, strays. Yeah, yeah so that was um yeah, it was Ablett to Salwood to Hawkins and he kicked back goal, didn't he? So, I thought Salwood was really good early as well. Like he had yeah. there, was, there was a passage of play where it was just turnover after turnover and then he took a mark and just slowed everything down, went back behind the mark, hit up Myers who then hit up Menegola. Um and that was the goal before Hawkins. So at that stage you probably thought, yeah. Tigers really need one, and then probably the last half of that last of the second quarter, Tigers got some bit more forward half territory. And I thought the moment of the match, yeah, dusty goal, yeah, fended off yeah. and just snapped off one hand, pretty much straight yeah, through play as well. Yeah, this would moment will probably go down as sort of the game changing moment. And if there was only two minutes or a minute and a half to go at this stage, yeah. and if Geelong could have held on and not let them score could have been a different story but yeah you could tell that tigers needed a spark and yeah <laughs> it's not surprisingly dusty provided that and you thought edwards uh had a good game yeah i think especially in that second quarter when the tigers yeah weren't having much of the ball edwards probably did stand up 27 and game high nine clearances well, Pickett was pretty good too. Like, didn't have much. I think only had 14 total touches, but five tackles. Most of them were early. And yeah, we mentioned short. So, only 15 point halftime lead, but yeah, probably should have been up by more. Um, yeah, up 16% inside 50 disposal efficiency, up to 11 contested, 31 to 9 marks, um, and 7 to 1 inside 50. So, yeah, with that, those stats, probably should have been probably 25 to 35 points in front. Geelong, yeah, at that stage, and Duncan, and, yeah, the midfield was 
they've been on top yeah with Guthrie Duncan these guys and yeah I agree Selwood was yeah just having a classic Selwood game just getting it first and he was just trying to gain territory uh yeah a lot of kicks off the ground in that first half too yeah I think it was uh, it was raining uh, that's a build up for the game it was storms and they were lucky it, it all cleared but you could tell it was pretty unslippery but I think the players the skill level was pretty good so you couldn't tell yeah that it was that wet yeah okay so after the break I think it was an extended break yeah they yeah, it was ten minutes. Pre-match, like the entertainment, probably twenty minutes-ish. Yeah, take. I don't know how I feel. How do you feel about that? Like you have the same breaks for every other game, but come grand final day, they decide to change it. Yeah, I, I don't like. It. I think you can do a lot of that pre-game, and yeah, keep because I think yeah, they're 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 do I. Yeah, they're gonna do more run-throughs when they come out, just because they've been yeah, on their leg on on the ground for twenty minutes, just in the room. Yeah, so. stupid. Yeah, uh, me too. They're sort of. Compromising the integrity of the game just to get entertainment in. I don't think that's yeah. right. I think, yeah, if the whole season's played like with that same break, then I'd be okay yeah. with it. But they got to be consistent. So they got out, and I think, um, yeah, Richmond. They this is the quarter they had to strike and sort yeah. of um, put their foot down, and they did that early with the first goal. Rewalt got a got a free kick, which was probably there. Yeah, he just held on Henderson. Probably a bit of panic too. Just brought the ball to 52 quickly. Yeah, I mean Henderson wasn't looking at the ball; he was sort of facing Rewall. But Rewall did have a like a fistful of his jump, Henderson's jumper as well, like um, yeah, by the front. Uh, but this, you know, I just didn't see that. Yeah, vision must have been obscured with that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, he got he kicked through truly. Like he's an accurate kick, so did that. And yeah, in this quarter, Richmond kicked four goals two to Geelong's one goal three. So they had, yeah, had the ball, had in, more inside fifties. I think they had ten inside fifties. And yeah, you could just see like short, sure. dusty guys getting on top. I think Dusty kicked uh, another snap. Yeah, another. I think it was a banana, wasn't it? Just from yeah forty odd meters. Just yeah, typical Dusty goal. Class. Yeah, that was his second, I think. And um, yeah, Grimes wasn't much in the game. I mean, he was yeah keeping Rowan yeah out of it. And um, I think yeah, even Hawkins wasn't having a dominant game either. Was it? Yeah, it was interesting because Bolter was yeah winning that. I thought Bolter was winning that contest, and then they moved Bolter into the ruck third quarter um, as the second ruck. So. Yeah, Bolter had some didn't have many touches, but did have a, a good impact, I think, through the middle. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, I guess uh, Lynch was always uh, also pretty quiet. He didn't have a lot of the ball. Same with Rioli. He has had a quiet game, so he was one guy that could have stepped up. Although Shy Bolton was good, so he started to come into his own, and he needed a few nice things in the first half as well. But yeah, he ended up with 16 touches and seven tackles, which is... Yeah, really, really good. Just you had that big mark over Menegola on the um in the fourth okay. fifty six led yeah, yeah Lambert goal. Yeah, it's a bad kick by Hughes, I think. You went I hate it when players go short and make a mistake. That's like a right. fundamental. If you're gonna make a mistake, you've got to do it long. So yeah, he did well to intercept that and he centered it. And yeah, that led to a goal. Did you think but that else? should have been left up forward too? Because he was pretty quiet in that third. 
Uh, yeah, why is he playing um, forward so much? Is he injured? Yeah, you reckon that's the time to push him to the midfield when, yeah, cats are on. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Like, he played forward against the Kangaroos. Um, he played them early in the year, but in a grand final against Richmond, you want your best player. And your best midfielder in the middle. But unless he's injured, then I don't see why. Yeah, bro, Chris Scott uh, didn't shift him. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear. So unless he's injured, I can't think of a, another yeah. reason. It happened in the Port game too. Like he was left up forward um, for pretty much most of the fourth. And that was, they had yeah, the likes of Dalhouse in the centre square. So maybe it's just they don't have the second key forward. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're not confident in um, Hawkins doing it by himself. But yeah. yeah, if that's the case, you'd think someone like Radical Year would be playing, right? Playing that second quarter. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we'll move on to the uh, fourth quarter. So, yeah, pretty crucial first goal by press here from your yeah, typical Tigers surge. And that was, yeah, mm-hmm. you probably thought there's no coming back from the Cats at that point. Tom Lynch started getting involved a fair bit with his engine. Just Harry Taylor just looked tired into the sec- and second to the ball. It's probably his last game, last mm-hmm. game ever. And then, yeah, I thought Shea Bolton again had another pretty special play. Went back with the flight, quick, quickly played on, and then hit Lynch over the top in the goal square. And then, yeah, it was Tigers. I think eleven to two marks in the first half of that fourth quarter. And then, yeah, Dusty again seals yeah. the win. Probably his third Norm Smith in a row with the yeah, broken tub and 50 meter goal from just a half chance. Wasn't much of an opportunity, wasn't yeah. it? Just happened in the blink of an eye. Is this his third goal? Yeah, the third yeah, one. Yeah. So, yeah. It's half tackle, yeah. You'd think, you'd think at this stage, before he kicked that, Dusty and Short might have been neck and neck for that. Yeah, maybe Edwards too, but yeah, probably yeah. Short. Yeah. And, um, and then he kicked it, and then you think, yeah, he's got it. Like that, three goals and. 18 touches or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Menegola was able to kick one. So at this stage, I think he brought, it, brought the margin back to 16 points. So you think, yeah. oh, there's still like seven or eight minutes, so there's a chance. But yeah, it was that sort of chaotic, sort of a high-pressure surge game plan that was able to sort of overrun Cats ordered and sort of uncontested style. They didn't let them play that way, did they? Give him much space in yeah, pretty much from the second quarter onwards. And yeah, mm-hmm. the Manicola kick, like that was after another seven minute delay, knocked out Simpson um inadvertently. So that was a pretty pretty big goal. Um yeah, Jack Rewalt. So the, the key forwards started having an impact deep. Um had two yeah big inside fifty marks. Yeah, pretty much started the party with that goal from the tight angle on the set shot. And then yeah, Dusty probably kicked. You reckon that was the goal of the year, the last goal? Uh, in terms of difficulty, it's probably not goal of the year. I think I liked um, my checks. <laughs> that one better. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one's better. But yeah, this one was um, it was symbolic, wasn't it? it was, yeah. He was at, there at the right time. It was between two Geelong players, intercepted the hand pass. Dangerfield went to tackle him, but he struck that off. Yeah. And then he, yeah, just snapped it from a tight angle. And then, yeah, pretty passionate celebration as well. And that's yeah, pretty, his third Nom Smith. Yeah, it was a pretty, could have been preventer. Like, Stanley's probably had a good final series, but that was a pretty easy, uncontested um, intercept mark. And, yeah, just dropped it for whatever reason. Maybe the ball's dewy, but 
Mm. Um, yeah, it was just yeah, second half, nine goals to two, and yeah, 53 point swing from being 22 points down and uh, ended up winning by 31 points. So, mm-hmm. but you mentioned Dusty before as the as the goat. You reckon he's the maybe not the goat, but you think he's the grand final? Oh well, on. from our time, like yeah. what we remember from like maybe late 90s to now, he has to be right. Can't remember anyone being so dominant. I know a lot of champions don't get the opportunity to play in grand finals. Uh, like you look at Chris Judd, I think he played in a couple of grand finals. So yeah, and he, um, Norm Smith and in the losing, and then was pretty much best on in in the winning one. So yeah, so sometimes it comes down to a bit of luck, but yeah, this is unbelievable. So in 2017, he had 29 possessions, 22 contested, and two goal assists. And, and two, two as well, yeah. Two goals, yeah. And the, then the last year, four goals. This year, four goals. Around twenty possessions, and half of those contested. Um, yeah, that's dominant, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. The stats just, I just put them down. Yeah, we put them down because yeah, it's just unbelievable reading. Like even the twenty eighteen, like obviously Mason Cox had that yeah once in a lifetime quarter, but yeah, Dusty was injured from that qualifying final. It's pretty hampered. Um, yeah. In the prelim, so maybe it's four out of four if he, you know, was fully fit. So just the yeah, game, I guess. But yeah, it's unbelievable how dominant it is. It's going to be all of famer, all time great in the conversation for greatest of all time, I suppose. Even though his career, it's sort of it's the last four or five years he's done this. Like before that, before that, I think he, I think he was an All Australian maybe before. Yeah, I he might have been once, but yeah, he he was still. An above average player, but yeah, since 2020, he's just a star. Yeah, uh, uh, 100%. And also, this year was the year that I don't know if it's like recency bias, but his dominance in the grand final was apparent more because I think because it was a closer game than the last two, whereas lower scoring, yeah, and they smashed Adelaide and um, GWS. so here, yeah, he was. You could tell he's the one that changed. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, congratulations, I suppose, to yeah Richmond, and yeah, we'll talk a little bit about them next when we touch on some questions. Uh, I'll ask you: Can anyone stop Richmond in twenty twenty one? Yeah. Short short answer is no, but. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think what's that? Three out of four. Like, there's um, every team's going to go to work again on the Tigers and their game plan. But I think with their their game plan, like it's very simple. Like, there's no. Yeah. Yeah, like it's very just surging the ball forward. There's not much, you know, not many disposed. Like even Dusty only hits twenty possessions. They don't mm-hmm. have many high winners. But um, I think yeah, there'll be more work put into them. But I yeah. probably will take Tigers over the field. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and the age demographics still pretty good, isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, they do have a couple of older players, but saying old, they're still like early thirties, like Kochi and Rewald, I think Ashbury maybe. They're still like in the 30, 31 yeah. age bracket. Because they've got that good mix too. Like they've got Bolter, who's kind of replaced Rance, who's very Bolter's what early twenties. Bolton could have been all Australian. He's early twenties. Um, yeah. yeah got- Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And even Chol and Solder who are pretty young in the ruck too. Like they've got um 
yeah, a lot of bases covered. But yeah, you'd, you'd want to still keep replenishing with some youth as well. Yeah, and the youth that comes in, like there'll be a bit of hit and miss. They're all not going to be like as a standard as like the re-rolls and clutchins, but no, they're in a beautiful spot to like win three in a row and make this real dynasty. Uh, second best and third best team. Let's just quickly go through them. So the Cats, do you reckon Jeremy Cameron could make a difference and help close that gap? Yeah, I think well, he's the perfect age, 28, prime of his career. Like what you what you mentioned before about like danger being held up forward in the third. Like you got Cameron there, danger's in the midfield straight away. So it changes things um, automatically. I'll ask you, you're, yeah. you're kind of the trade expert. What would you give up for a Cameron? Because I think the, the signal is they're not going to give up much. Oh, it'll probably be like um, pick 11 and 13 with the second rounder coming back. I think that's two firsts. And with the second coming back is normally the template for like a superstar, mm-hmm. right? And no players then, no no Parfit or Radigalia or I don't think they want to go. Um maybe Radigalia, maybe. Because I, I think he's from around there. Um yeah. But if not picks and then trade those picks to clubs with players. We might just talk about Cameron to Cats here as well. Jordan Isaac Smith would be a good fit. Yeah, they probably don't need the Smith because they got Menegola and probably mm. Parfit on the wing. So um, I wouldn't want to get because I think they're going to get Higgins. Probably looks like so I wouldn't want to get both of those players because they're both over thirty. Um, what, what, yeah, what you... yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think um, get games into who's that Clark? Is it? Yeah, I think it's yeah Clark. Jordan Clark. Yeah, won the yeah. sprint. Yeah, he did, yeah. So he's a defender winger, so I think pump games. I think they should do what you guys did. Um, Sort of, you have your experience core there, your danger, Selwood, Tom Stewart, these sort of guys. But just get rid of the Hendersons, Taylor, Ablett's going, and get maybe get rid of Rowan and Dalhouse and bring in, uh, you got three first-round picks, so you probably won't have three, but you got, Couple of picks last year, and then still have Constable Fogarty. Um, who else? Oh, yeah, like Clark, we talked about him. Play them and see if these kids can do what Dersma Butters and Rosie have done. Yeah, do I think it. they're short, short in the key backs. Like if Henderson goes as well, like that's their two key backs gone. So, um, whether you can get that at the draft, I don't think there's many key backs at, on the free agency table. So, that's probably an area yeah. to look at instead of a wing. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point because you can't bring in an 18 year old kid. It's different, yeah. like bringing in like a body. Yeah. Uh, Port, I think we'll just go back to the challenges <laughs> again. Yeah. I think Port, yeah, they need their middle tier and their kids to step up another level because you can't ask Boke and Gray and Rockcliffe to do that. You can't ask them to step up. So if they had to close the gap, I think that's what they got to do. Um, what about Brisbane? I'll let you answer. Then yeah, I think, they can be the second best. Yeah, when yeah, when Cameron to the Cats, down here to the to the Lions. I mean, I still like um, some support for Harris Andrews. Like I think Jackson Payne and Gardner are really good. Um, but you probably want and Lester as well. So you probably want another key back. Um, if they can get like a Trelaw, that might be the difference. You, you'd flagged it last week. They probably need another quality um, mm. inside as well. 
Yeah, I think Trelaw would be perfect. And I reckon, yeah, Payne looked really good when he played. So I think if he can develop, and there are year older and guys like McCluggage and Barry and these guys can step up another gear, then they can definitely do that. West Coast, I reckon they can as well. They've got an old list, but it's a quality list. They just have a heavy reliance on everything going right. So it's home ground advantage and yeah. finishing and that, top two. Yeah. That and you were from the center square too, like they, they rely on that pretty heavily. Yeah. That and um, goal kicking. They're a bit hot and cold, aren't they? So they need that, but they're a challenger. But I think yeah, GWS and the Pies, they just might be on the slide. So unless they rejuvenate their list, can't see them challenging. Yeah, I think that's maybe why the Pies want to get rid of, not get rid of, but off, offload Trelaw just with the salary and maybe to bring in a couple of players. Because I think they'll keep everyone else, like Majek and Degoe will stay, but I mean, more signed up as well. But Yeah, if they can rejuvenate their list and do that, then I reckon, yeah, they can definitely contend. Um, but they've sort of been sliding a little bit last couple of years. And then Western Bulldogs and St. Kilda are sort of young and they can potentially close the gap if they recruit right and natural improvement. Yeah, I think I think so. So I think, I mean, whether Crouch closes the gap for the Saints, I think they definitely needed another inside mid, but um, I still won't be confident with Crouch or Steele as the number one uh, midfielder. They probably need a bit more quality through there. Maybe a Clark or a um, Caulfield goes into the midfield full-time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and development, yeah, like seeing if maybe Max King can be the number one goal kicker. Yeah, yeah that could happen. And my, yeah, sort of dark horse, I suppose, would be Melbourne. I think the Ds can potentially jump a lot of these teams and be that challenger because I think they've got all the building blocks there, right? You think if they get Brown, that Ben Brown as that, which it look, looks like that's probably the team he's most likely to go to. Yeah, like I think we talked about it earlier. He seems the perfect fit, I think, with the space of the forward 50 at the MCG. And I think, uh, what's it, Wiedemann might be like the perfect foil for him as well. And they've got two great All-Australian quality defenders and their midfield potentially has their own Dusty in Petrarca. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, got Gorn as a ruckman who's probably got another couple of years of good footy left. Yeah, they've got Luke Jackson in the wings too, so, yeah. Yeah, if everything goes right, I think, yeah, Melbourne could be a bolter. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Someone's got to challenge Richmond, otherwise it's going to be, going to be a bit of a boring competition. Yeah. Well, I think on that, like, Leper and um, Craig McRae, two of their assistants are, are going, so maybe that's Maybe Craig McRae takes a bit of IP with him and, yeah, Lepper. Yeah, I wonder how that IP thing works, right? Like, do you reckon they sign stuff that they can't disclose? Maybe. Oh, I don't think you can sign away the IP. Like, um, from Port, like, Richardson went to the St Kilda coach. Bill Walsh went to the Adelaide coach. Um, like, Matty Nix was, yeah, I think mm-hmm. nearly assistant coach of the year, went to Adelaide. Uh, you just can't stop it. There's too much movement. but. Um, I think the yeah. more we can take away from the Tigers, the better evens up the competition a bit more. Yeah, no doubt. They'll be the hunted again next year. So. Um, yeah, I see the um, the Rue scarf in your background. And yeah, I think Reece Shaw was uh, officially mutual. It was yeah. a mutual decision to part ways. 
thing it's been well, coming. I think we, we never know, but it sounds like one. Yeah, it sounded like he needed some time off, and maybe the club thought it was better to like cut ties. This is a clean cut. Yeah. And then if he comes back later, that'll be good. But yeah, at the moment, I think it's it just makes it more clear and more easier to go forward. Yeah, I think good for both parties. So there's a few candidates for the coaching position, and um, we'll run through run through a few. Yeah, so I decided just to put five candidates. So I have no idea if these guys are actually interested in being coaches or want to move to Victoria. Uh, but yeah, I just looked at some of the credentials and yeah, put together a list. So yeah, you can you can maybe mention the name and uh, we'll yeah. talk a couple. So David Noble, so he kind of follows the Chris Pagan path. Yeah, so he's a older coach, a 53, and at the moment he's the head of football of Brisbane so since 2016. And that was around the year when they started to sort of get their act together, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And he did so he was Crows too as well before then. Yeah, so, so Crows, he was assistant coach and list manager, so it was pretty successful because the Crows were always like a, a team with good culture and they never bottomed out and they were always competing. And uh, he he only played two AFL games, but I think he's respected in that managerial and people relationship, that sort of role. Yeah. So he's someone that, I don't know if he's settled in Queensland, but yeah. I mean, he turned Brisbane around pretty quickly with the help of Fagan. So four years is pretty quick from being a basket case. He's got experience there. And then uh, Port's on the premiership coach. Choco Williams. So he's the oldest yeah, so of these candidates. 62 years old, yeah. So he's um, uh, he, assist, he was assistant coach at GWS when Sheedy was there as well. Yeah. And then moved to Richmond and been there from 2013 to 16 when they started to play finals and they get the, get the club was able to sort of transform. And I've heard he's good at developing kids. Yeah, I think out of yeah, I think out of these candidates, he's probably the one most suited to your to the list profile at the Roos. Um, eleven eleven guys being let go and probably yeah, looking towards the draft the next couple of years. Yeah, I see him as someone who can fill a role for two years, and then maybe he can maybe we can have someone under him that he mentors, or maybe he can look to poach Adam Simpson back and. Yeah, I'll just mention his daughter's dating uh, Dylan Shields. He well, gave a good reference yes. to Shields at a tribunal hearing this year, too. Yeah, I wonder if they're still together. Now. Yeah, on to Maddie Knights at uh, 50 year old. Yeah, so he's been, yeah, so he's coached before. I think that's, yeah, the strong point of this, this candidate. Like he's followed Shields, yeah, big one to live up to, only 37% winning record, but. Um, since then, he's been at the Cats and yeah, coached the team to a VFL flag. Um, yeah. And been still coach for the last six years, I think it is. Five years. Yeah. The, the way I see it was that um, he beat Hardwick for the Essendon role in 2017. <laughs> so if Essendon overlooked Hardwick, then for Knights, and Knights got to be the better coach, right? <laughs> so he should win more than three premierships. Yeah. He's got a great right. um, 
playing career. But yeah, I think the experience thing is good, and that's probably why you mentioned the next candidate as well. Yeah, uh, just seriously, how oh, nice. Yeah, he's been with Geelong, and then they've got a strong sort of culture. And, um, I'm sure he would have learned a lot from that experience coaching Essendon, and then would have learned a lot uh, winning the yeah, VFL Premiership. So, and maybe giving coaches a second opportunity might be invoked. So yeah. yeah. And similarly, yeah, the next candidate, uh, Brenton Sanderson. Do you know much about him? Yeah, he's a fairly decent player. At the um, Cats, and I know he, um, yeah, when the when the three flags happened for the Cats, he was pretty much, yeah, he was insisting coach. So he's got yeah, good record, good record there. And then took Crows into the prelim in his first year, I think it was, in twenty twelve. Yeah, I think so. I think they lost to maybe Hawthorne, yeah, yeah but three years and a fifty six percent winning record, which is pretty good for like a coach that got sacked, All right? Yeah. <laughs> He's probably got the best record out of the lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was assistant at the Pies from 2016. So that's sort of started when, when they started to get a bit better. A yeah. couple of years in it, then and then make a premiership. So he's got good experience as well. And a bit of experience, um, yeah, a bit of knowledge behind him. And then you've, you've mentioned uh, a former son of the Rose probably is the most highly credentialed candidate. Yeah, I have Matthew Capuano. <laughs> Adam Simpson would be the um yeah, for the most unlikely out of all of them I've listed since he's still contracted for two more years at West Coast. But yeah, he's another Clarkson disciple, so after he wrapped up playing Captain Dust for five years, he was under Clarko for two of their flags. And then he beat a number of good candidates for the yeah. West Coast position. Was able to take them into two grand finals, and they won the flag in their last appearance. But how how likely are you? How, out of ten, what do you think his chances are coming to the Roos? Maybe not now, but when his contract uh, when his contract finishes. Yeah. Um, depending on who we get, if we get like a placeholder coach then I'd give like us maybe a 7 out of 10 chance. At the moment, it would be like a 1 out of 10 chance. Because um, yeah. I don't think you'll break contract. But, uh, yeah, it would be interesting. It would be interesting. I think. I think we need a kangaroos, kangaroo person. I think we're trying to maybe... Because the last two coaches have been from Brisbane and then East Shore from Sydney. Yeah. So they might look to yeah, sort of reestablish that culture. Yeah, I that's think, what we. Have. Yeah, I think Voss. I mean, Voss has been at Port the last five years. I don't think Voss would say yes to the ruse, but um, mm-hmm. wouldn't be a bad one to interview. Just yeah, in the line of in the vein of Knights and Sanderson, the guy that's been there before, um, and would be would be better for the second second chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not your midfield coach, is he? Is it? No, he's the um, yeah lead assistant. He has oh. been. For, I think the last. Two years, or at least this this season. So, what about Nathan? Is Nathan Bassett one of your coaches? Yeah, so he's coached. Um, I think it's North Adelaide. Um, yeah. And yeah, Jared Schofield as well has coached his own team as well, but mm. um, probably hasn't been in the system long enough. Schofield, I think two years. Yeah. In the NFL, so you probably want someone more more experienced potentially. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we go. But uh, I think they want to find a coach in the next couple of weeks, although they might start to put a panel together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I think that wraps us up for today. We might do a trade preview maybe next week and wrap and start our reviews of some of the clubs. Yeah, so we've got um, – there'll be hopefully some trade news and obviously trade radio started today, so it's – yeah, football yeah. news. Uh, yeah. yeah, with trade radio, I'd advise you not to listen to it until maybe the last couple of days of trade week because they just speculate and it's, you're just uh, wasting your life. <laughs> uh, it's just speculation. It's really annoying. It's... Oh, need some content, so. Yeah, they do. They need – yeah. Okay. So I'll catch you guys next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah.